I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so the I think the fourth podcast I ever did way back many years ago was on Ravnica. Uh, one of the sets I led that obviously uh, it's become a very popular set or became a very popular set. Um, and I did a podcast on the creation of it, but back in the day, in the early days of the podcast, I didn't then talk about the cards. So I'm going to revisit. I wanted to do the Ravnica block. Um, and since I've, ta- I've already talked about Ravnica, I'm going to jump in and talk about the cards. You can go listen to it. It's, the, it's number four. Drive to work number four. Uh, you can hear about And as I talk about the cards, I'm, I'm sure I'll fill you in a little of the little more of the stories about making the, making the set. But uh, I'm going to talk about the cards for the next N number of podcasts. So I have a lot of cards to talk about, so let's jump in and get going. Okay, so the first one is Argus Koss. Uh, he is a three red and white, so five mana total, one of which is red, one of which is white. He's a legendary creature, human soldier. He's a 3-3. Three, three. Uh, and he is... Uh, oh, sorry, the, the full name of the card was Ar- Argus Koss. Wojek Veteran, that was his full name. Uh, and whenever he attacks, all your attacking creatures get plus two plus social end of turn, and all your attacking white creatures get plus zero plus two until end of turn. And the idea is um, red-white, one of the things we did when we made the guild. So remember what happened was, this was the first time um, it came about because I was trying to, um, it was the second ever gold block we'd ever done, the first being Invasion. And Invasion had a theme of play all the colors, so I went the opposite direction. I said, okay, well, how about play the least number of colors you can, but be multicolor. So we ended up playing up this two-color strategy. Um, Brittany Dynamith came up with the cool idea of doing guilds, and then I ran with it. Uh, and so Argus Koth, the very first set Ravnica, only had four guilds in it. Um, it had, um, let's see if I remember this, had Boros, had Demir, had Selesnya, and El Golgari. Um, so uh, Boros is red-white, um, Demir is blue-black, uh, Selesnya is green-white, and uh, Golgari is black-green. Um, the idea of only doing four of the ten at the time was pretty radical, and um, I had some resistance, um, but I, I, met, I mean, it, there's things that I, I had more resistance than that, but it's definitely something that people were a little bit taken aback. The idea that like there'd be gold cards in the set, but not all the gold cards at the time was a... A radical idea. Um, Argus Koss, by the way, was the main character, the protagonist of the novel. This is back when we wrote novels for all our sets, and uh, he, he was like a beat cop. Um, the idea was that the, the Boros, um, a lot of the police slash army sat in the Boros, that the Boros did a lot of that. They had the soldiers, and um, so he was uh, the equivalent on Ravnica of kind of like a beat cop. I mean, I guess he was a soldier technically, but... Um, Anyway, and what we wanted to do was, he was one of each, uh, what we did was, each guild had two um, legendary creatures, one of which was the leader of the guild, and the other was some other person that meant something. In this case, it was the protagonist of the novel. Um, But we really wanted to have two different strategies. Um, This is before... um, it's not before necessarily Commander existed, but it was before Commander was big. So we weren't really thinking about our Commanders at the time. Although, what we were trying to do was give you Commanders that represented the strategies that the guilds represented. And Argus Cost is a good example. Red-White was very much an aggro color combination. If you're playing Red-White, you're going to play a lot of weenie creatures and attack. 
uh, and Argus costs, it really makes you want to do that. It says, okay, hey, I only work if you attack with me, and I only work if you attack with me with other creatures. So this really was, it really plays into a, a weenie attack strategy sort of deck. Um, okay, next. Next. Octathon Worm. This is hard to pronounce. Octathon. O-U-T-O-C-H-T-H-O-N. Worm. Worm as in um, big giant dragon without, without uh, wings, as opposed to a... Um, W-O-R-M. Anyway, 10 green, green, green. So 13 mana, 3 of which is green, for a 9-14. And it had Convoke and Trample. So Convoke was the mechanic of um, Selesnia. Uh, basically what you did is, uh, a creature with Convoke, you could tap creatures to get any color mana that they are. So you could tap a green creature to add green to your mana pool. Uh, and because this, uh, this was a multicolor set, so for example, let's say I have a green-white creature... Or Argus, I have Argus Koth in play. Um, I could have Argus Koth for red or for white in order to cast a Convoke creature. Um, Convoke was originally designed by Richard Garfield for the Boros, for the red-white. Um, he sort of came up with it as an idea of the military working together was his idea. Um, but I really liked it better for uh, Selesnya, which was the collective. You know, the, the, the red-white was very much uh, an aggro strategy. Green-white was a build-me-up creature strategy. That the way green-white worked is, I didn't beat you fast, but what happened is, I would just eventually overwhelm you with creatures. That I both had the most amount of creatures, I had a lot of token-making, uh, and it also got the largest creatures, as evidenced by this thing, which was a 9-14. Um, one, the reason it's a 9-14, I believe, is one of the things that, that entertains us to no end, and entertains the players, is finding power-toughness combinations you've never done before. Uh, and I know... Eric, uh, Eric Lauer, the head developer, um, has a, a record of all the power toughness combinations in vanilla that we haven't haven't done. He's always looking to do new vanilla combinations. Um, but even so, I think I think this is the first 914. Um, I'm not quite sure why 914, but it just wanted to be an odd combination of things. Um, the other reason is I think we wanted to make just a giant creature. I mean, normally a 13-mana creature is just almost impossible to get out. But this has Convoke. And the idea is, oh, well, in, in the Selesnya strategy, where you have a lot of smaller creatures and token creatures, you know, you can, you can definitely get this thing out way, way, way before you have 13 mana. Uh, and that's what makes this creature interesting, is it allows you to say, okay, I have enough creatures in play now with my mana, I can cast this giant 9-14 creature. Uh, and there's Trample, too. So once this creature gets out, it's hard to deal with. It's 14 toughness, so it's really, really hard to kill um, without a you know, kill spell. Um, it's hard to block and kill. Um, but anyway, I, I think this was... Uh, one of the things we do when we make mechanics is we like to make mechanics at every level. And this is us making a rare, you know, I want to make a rare Convoke card. Well, how do we do that? Well, what if we make something really big and splashy, but, you know, you need a lot of creatures to cast it. Okay, next, Bathe in Light. One and a white. Uh, so two mana, one which is white, instant. It has Radiance. Uh, choose a color... Target creature and each creature sharing a color of that gets protection from a chosen color. So Radiance was the Boros mechanic. Um, this one was made by Mike Elliott. Um, the idea of the mechanic, it, it had a very noble purpose, which was we were trying to play the idea of an army, that red-white was the army color, and that it was sort of like you want to attack with creatures and you want a spell mechanic that kind of connects them. Um, and the idea being, oh, well, my, you know, um, 
if as long as I have a red-white creature, I can target stuff, and if I use it on my red-white creature, then all my red creatures and all my white creatures get, get a bonus. Um, the problem with Radiance was a couple things. One was it wasn't as crisp and clear as some of the other mechanics of why exactly it's in this, it's in this color combination. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of those things what I call a once-removed thing. We're like, oh, well, white and red are about soldiers, and soldiers are about working together, and Radiance is kind of about working Like, it's, it's a couple steps away from being connected. So it didn't, it didn't feel super Boros-y. Um, and the other big problem we had with Radiance is it is hard to track. For example, and I chose Bathe Land on purpose, which is, okay, so I'm going to cast this spell. Some number of creatures are going to gain protection from a color. Now, the th- colors that get the protection and what the protection is aren't the same thing. So it's like, okay, if I use this spell targeting a red-white creature and name black, then all my red... All, not, sorry, not even all my. All creatures with red, in their, red or white gain protection from black. Um, and there's a lot of confusion that can come up with that. There's a lot... I mean, it, it, it became very... Um, mind melty just to track all like let's say for example you know for a fact that your opponent has bathing light in their hand you know it you know it's in their hand uh and you have you know let's say two colors out let's say you're playing golgari you have black and green they have red and white um or actually make it more confusing let's say you're playing selesnia and they're playing Bora. so you're green and white and they're red and white okay so now they have this card let's say you know they have the card in their hand or even you're playing it you know you have in your hand just Figuring out the calculations of what could happen. It's like, okay, they could target a red-white creatures, then all their red-white creatures, all their white creatures, and all your white creatures gain protection from whatever they say protection from. Green, probably. Um, or I could target a red creature, and this red creatures gain protection from green. You know, like, the, the ramifications of trying to understand what happens, and then it, it's got really complicated. And this is a good example of a card where it's like, you could know that there was a bathe in light. You could somehow know your opponent has bathe in light, and that still doesn't mean you can go through all the ramifications of what exactly it means. Um, so, I mean, I think Radiance had the problem of... It did, wasn't a perfect fit for Boros. It was a little extrapolated what why it was in Boros. And it just was a very complicated, hard, hard, to, hard to figure out what it was going to do mechanic. Okay, next. Bell Tower Sphinx. Four and a blue for a creature Sphinx. Two five flyer. Uh, whenever you... Uh, de- uh, oh, sorry. Whenever... Uh, the Bell Tower Sphinx was dealt damage. For each damage dealt to it, uh, the person who controlled that uh, source would mill a card. I think that's how it worked. Um, or maybe, maybe it was targeted? Maybe it was targeted. So I guess for each damage the Bell Tower Sphinx, the controller of the Bell Tower Sphinx gets to mill any player you want. So I guess you could mill your own library if there's reasons. And there were reasons with Golgari why you might want to do that. Um, with Dredge. We'll get to Dredge. Um... But anyway, this was definitely us um, playing around. Uh, we don't do this a lot, but every once in a while we do tr- triggers based on damage to the creature. And the idea is, hey, I have a creature. You know what? You kind of don't want to damage my creature because damaging my creature will do bad things. Um, and this is a 2-5 flyer. It's hard to deal with. So the idea is that, you know, if you're going to chump this thing, because it's, it's hard to have 5 power flying that, you know, I'm going to be able to mill you. And... It also allows you to combo it that if I can somehow um, do damage to it of myself, I can also do milling tricks. Milling, by the way, uh, I always try to define my terms. Milling means to put a card from a library into its owner's graveyard. 
So if I mill you for two, you take the top two cards of your library and put them in your in graveyard. Um, one of the strategies of Demir was we definitely wanted to have a, um, a milling. One of the strategies was milling. It wasn't the main strategy, but uh, we realized that Demir, which is blue and black, one of the overlaps between blue and black is the two colors that care most about the library. Uh, they also have to be the two colors that do milling. I mean, blue does more milling than black, but they're the two milling colors. Um, and the idea of um, one of the tricks about Demir was we wanted Demir to kind of beat you in ways that felt tricky and kind of, you know, uh, Demir ended up being the, it's kind of the sneaky underhanded guild that, that you never quite know what they're up to. So a lot of how we built Demir was making it such that you weren't always sure what it was up to. And that having mill as a strategy meant, okay, some of the time it's going to mill you out. But you didn't always know when it was going to mill you out. And so, like, let's say somehow you, early on you get Pelltown Sphinx out. Should I be worried? You know? Um, and the other neat thing was there are reasons why you might want stuff in your own graveyard. So let's say, for example, you're playing Demir, um, or you're just playing this, this blue card along with either a green or black card that has Dredge, for example. There's some combinations that you can combine with milling yourself and doing Dredge, as an example. Okay, next, Birds of Paradise. Uh, it costs one green mana. It's a creature. It's a bird. One, one, flying, and you have to add one of any mana color to your mana pool. So, uh, for those who don't know, Birds of Paradise goes all the way back to the very early magic. Um, Richard Garfield made it because someone had turned in a piece of artwork for Tropical Island. It had a bird featured prominently in the art. It, it, it kept drawing people's eyes to it. And so they ended up commissioning a new piece of art for Tropical Island, and then just Richard made a new card, which ended up being Birds of Paradise. A very iconic card. Um, it got cut from a core set. It, it was in the core set for many, many years, and then we cut it from the core set. Um, we decided that we didn't want both Land of War Elves and Birds of Paradise, that having two one-drops that produce a mana was just a little bit much. Um, so we got rid of Birds of Paradise, and then... Oh boy, people were unhappy we got rid of Birds of Paradise. So we decided we would bring it back. Um, and we brought it back in Ravnica. This was the first. So when this was in Ravnica, it was, I mean, it's hard to tell sometimes to remember the, the history of things, but this was extra exciting because Birds of Paradise wasn't, had fallen out of standard. And so us putting it here brought it back. Um, it had a very pretty picture, a different picture than the alpha picture. Um, but I think. Uh, Usually when we make birds now, this is the where we reprint birds and, and products. This is uh, the picture we tend to use these days. It's just a uh, very pretty picture. Okay, Blood Funnel. One black enchantment. Non-creature spells cost two less to cast. Uh, and whenever you cast... or when, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you have to sack a creature or you counter the spell. So essentially what it means is my um, creature spells cost two less, but my non-creature spells now have an additive cost, which is I have to sack a creature. So it's easier to get creatures out, but it makes it harder to play non-creatures. Um, but the cool thing about this is... Oh, I'm sorry. I said that backwards. Non-creature spells cost you two less. Um, but whenever you cast them, you have to sacrifice a creature. I, I read that incorrectly. So the idea is non-creature spells, it does two things. It makes them cost two less, but forces you to sack a creature. So essentially, all my um, non-creature spells can, are cheaper, but there's a sacrifice that goes along with it. Now, the good news is there are, you know, there's some spells that you can do that help mitigate this. There are spells that make multiple tokens and things like that. Um, but in it, it's a build-around-me card. Um, I think it was made for Golgari. 
Uh, usually what we try to do, by the way, in monocolor cards is make cards that had functions in more, more than one deck. I think this was themed as Golgari, um, but that it was, you know, maybe Demir could do some cool things, you know, or maybe if you're playing black with, you know, well, black and green can do token making. So, I mean, in a Golgari deck, you have the token making of green and the sacrifices of black, so that, you know, you can combine them. Um, but this is definitely made as a build around my cards, so you see what, what cool things you could do with it. Bloodbound March, two black green, so four mana, one of which black, one is green. It's an enchantment. Whenever a player casts a creature spell, each player returns all creatures with the same name to the battlefield. Uh, so the idea is that whenever I cast a creature, all creatures that are named that thing return from the graveyard um, to play, to, to the battlefield. Um, and the idea is, probably in my deck, I can take better advantage of it than you. Oh, this is back in the day when effects like this just would affect everybody. We eventually got to the point where we, these are kind of effects, more often now we would just affect you and not everybody. Um, so it's something you have to be cautious of because if, if my opponent's playing with powerful creatures and one of them died, but they have another one, um, it could bring things back. So you had to be careful when you cast it. Um, but uh, Golgari, this was our black-green uh, guild, was very much revolving around the graveyard. We realized that black and green were the two colors that cared most about the graveyard, and so a neat overlap for black and green was really playing into the sort of cycling of life concept that, uh, you know, the Golgari is very into, like, the full cycle of life, but not just, not just things being born, but things dying and the, the internal cycle, the web, and, you know, um, it really sort of combines this fascination for life and death, which combines uh, green and black. Um, next, Blood Letter Quill. It's an artifact that costs three. Um, so two and tap. You put a blood counter on the artifact, um, on, on a blood, a blood Letter Quill, and then you get to draw a card. Then you lose one life for each uh, counter, each blood counter on it. Uh, and then for a blue and a black, you can remove a blood counter. So the idea is I can tap two and a tap, I get to draw a card, and I pay a life. Um, now, the next time I want to use this, if I don't remove a counter, it'll cost me two life. So without the extra rider on it, it's first card costs you one life, second card costs you two life, third card costs you three life. Um, but it's a little cheaper than normal. Normally, like, it's four and four. You know, four to cast, four and tap to draw a card. That's like uh, GMD Tome. Um, so this is a little bit cheaper to get you cards. Um, but the idea is, one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to make artifacts that were associated with the different guilds. Um, but one of the things that was important was we wanted to make sure we tend to we tend not to make too many artifacts, um, or, you know, not with colored cost. Um, artifacts are supposed to go in any deck. They have generic cost, and you put them in any deck. So when we make artifacts that are tied thematically to colors, what we try to do is make something where it's playable without it, but it's better with it. And this is a good example. This is a Demir artifact. Look, you can just play it, draw, you know, draw a card, pay a life. Draw a card, pay two life. Draw a card, pay three life. You can do that, and in the right deck, maybe, maybe it's even viable. Um, but the cards are a lot more effective if you're playing Demir. Because if you have the mana, essentially what it does is it says, okay, um, first card costs two, and then from then on, it's two blue-black. Um, now, given, you also could take the paint now, and then later when you have the mana, remove the counter. You have to do it all in one turn. Um, but anyway, if you're playing Demir Colors, it just makes it more effective. And so it's a way to have an artifact that has some flavor for blue-black, um, but be something that other people might be able to play with. Okay, Boris Garrison. So it's a land. Uh, enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, you return a land you control to its owner's hand. 
and then tap to add RW, our red and W, a red and white. Um, so the idea is these lands were common. They, they made you bounce another land you played. So put another land you had uh, back in its owner's hand, uh, usually your hand, because usually you own them. And then it tapped for two mana. So the idea was they were, they were lands that helped fix your colors, but um, in order to give you something that could tap for two colors, you had to, remo- you know, you had to put a land back so that you weren't going up in, up in mana per land. Per land. Um, uh, there are some combos in the set where, like, because this taps for two mana, if you can somehow untap lands or something, you get more mana out of it than, than, than you know, a, a traditional land. Um, but we were, one of the things we were trying to do in this set was we knew you were going to play uh, two colors, so we were trying to give you some help. Um, looking back in retrospect, we really didn't give good enough mana help. This cycle, for example, is not particularly strong. Um, so you'll see in modern day, you know, when we, uh, when we do multicolor stuff in modern day, we are better about giving you support to play things. Okay, Boros Guild Mage. Okay, so um, it, it costs a hybrid. So it's red or white, red or white. So it costs two mana, either of which can be paid with red or white mana. Uh, so it, it has a hybrid cost. Um, it's a creature. It's a human wizard, um, and it, it's a 2-2. Um, all, by the way, all the, this is a cycle. All, they're a 10-card cycle. There's four in this set, three in the next set, and three in the next set. So um, Guild Pack had the three. You know, there, uh, this had the Guild Mages for the, four, for the four guilds in this set. Then Guild Pack had the three for the three in that set. And then Dissension had three for in that set. We will eventually get to uh, Guild Pack and Dissension. Right, not... Uh, as I normally do this, I'm going to do a couple, you know, I'll do a series on Ravnica, take a break, do some other stuff, and I'll come back, and the next one I'll do will be um, Guild Pact. Uh, anyway, the Guild Mages, so one of the things was, when I first started making this set, I came up with the idea of hybrid mana. Um, I was trying to figure out how to care about two colors in a way that didn't always lock you into two colors, uh, and I came across this idea, um, and it was, it was definitely something... Um, I, I find it to be a really cool idea. I remember when I came up with it, I was really excited, you know, because normally when you do traditional multicolor, it's and. This spell requires red and white, but this was a way to do red or white, and I was really excited. And I remember running around going, look at this, look at this, and nobody seemed to care. Because uh, it was one of those things that, like, you have to sort of see in context. Um, and I, I think I, I had a better understanding of what I wanted to do with it, but when I was just showing it around, it just seemed novelty for novelty's sake. I don't think people quite grasp what we could do with it. So the story of hybrid is I put it in the set. I actually put a lot in the set and our first play test uh, this is before we got the guilds by the way the first play test um, we um, I had all 10 colors in it and uh, so there were, you had 10 different combinations to play and then you had hybrid and it just was overwhelming. I mean, It was overwhelming R&D. And, you know, so, so when overwhelms former pro players, you know that you know you probably have uh, made it a little too hard. So I ended up pulling out hybrid, um, and um, to try to simplify things. And later we realized that um, that we needed something, and so we ended up putting hybrid back in. So hi- hi- hybrid. hybrid was in and out a couple times during the course of the set. So the Guild Mages, um, this was inspired by a series of cards called Guild Mages in um, Mirage. And the way the Guild Mages worked in Mirage was they were monocolored cards, and you could tap 
the two colors on either side of them. They're two ally colors. So let's say I was a green card. I could ta- I, I had have a activation that required red mana, and then activation required white mana, and then each one did did a red thing and a white thing. Um, so the idea we liked here was okay. Well, what if it's it's a red white card? It has a red activation and a white activation. Hmm. Sorry about the yawning. Okay, so its red activation is one one and a red, two mana, one which is red. Target creature gains haste until end of turn, and its white activation was one and a white. Target creature gains first strike until end of turn. So those were both combat-oriented abilities. The guild mages always sort of played into whatever the theme of the of the um, guild was, and so these were both combat-oriented abilities. And the idea behind the guild mages was the reason we put them in hybrid mana was I could play it if I have two mana. I could play it with, you know, just say this is Boros. If I have two red, I can play it. I have two white, I can play it. Or if I have a red and white, I can play it. Now, if I play it with only two red, um, then um, I won't have access to the white activation. And if I play it with two white, I won't have access to the red activation until I get that mana. But I can still play it. Um, and we made them pretty efficient. We made them 2-2 two, two for two mana. Um, I mean, colored mana. But anyway... Um, these were meant to be sort of, really sort of showing um, the identity of, like one of the things we did a lot of in, in this block was 10 card cycles to really show off, okay, there's guilds, there, you know, the guilds are similar, but each one has their own thing. And so one of the ways to show different, how things are different is making cycles in which elements of them are similar, but then you get to see the differences between them. How, how is the Boros Guild Mage different than the, Demir Guild Mage, from the Selesnia Guild Mage, from the Golgari Guild Mage, that we really got to show up sort of what each guild represented by having this close contrast where the cards are somewhat similar to each other but not exact. Okay, Boros Recruit. Um, so it's, it's a hybrid man again, one hybrid man, so red or white. It's a goblin soldier, 1-1, one, one, with first strike. So one of the things that hybrid let us do, so we end up doing three hybrid cards per guild, we did a common and uncommon and a rare, what we call vertical cycle. Um, the uncommon was the guild mage, and then the common and the rare were something that went along. So one of the things that we realized, and we obviously did it here in Boros, is um, one of the cool things that you can do with hybrid that you can't do with multicolor is make a one-drop. Because in traditional, one, uh, traditional multicolor, in order to be red and white, I need at least two mana, one of which is red, one of which is white. But with hybrid, I was allowed to make a one-drop. So we thought it'd be fun to make a one-drop. Um, red is the sort of aggro color. One-drops are very good in red. Being hybrid let, lets you play it no matter, you know, let, lets you play a one-drop regardless of whether you got red or white mana in your deck. So pretty much you could play it turn one no matter what you drew if you, if you, if you drew it. Um, and then we granted an ability that uh, one of the things hybrid do is we have to find overlaps in the colors. So what could red do that white can do? And it turns out that red can have a one-drop, one-one first striker, and white can have a one-drop, one-one first striker. Um, the other thing about the set, as you'll see as we go through it, is there actually was an enchantment theme in it. I don't think a lot of people... It, it's interesting how, up until Theros, whenever we try to do a, a set that has some enchantment themes, people remember other things about the set. Like, we made Urza Saga, and people remember all the broken stuff, but people kind of forget that it was an enchantment set. Ravnica has a similar thing going on where there's a pretty strong enchantment theme running through the set, as we'll see. Um, but I don't think a lot of people think of Ravnica as even, you know, in any, in any way as having an enchantment theme, even though it did. It's one of those things where, um, I mean, one, one of the problems in general, I guess, doing enchantment themes is they're very easy to gloss over, e- even when they're there. And, and, and you'll see, there's a decent number of cards in the set. 
Okay, next, Boro Swift Blade. Uh, it's red and a white for a human soldier. That's a one-two, and it has double strike. So we made a common the recruit. Um, oh, yeah, I skipped. Okay, I'll go back to that. Um, and then we made the Swift Blade. Uh, I think it was uncommon. Um, but double strike's another ability that overlaps between red and white, and there's a lot of auras and a lot of things like Argus Cost that can boost your creature. So double strike is pretty good. Double strike just says, hey, I'm basically I double. When, when you boost me, you double me. You, you know, your, your damage is doubled. Uh, and so that's super effective. So I skipped over the Boros Signet. Uh, so it's an artifact that costs two. One and tap to add, uh, in this case, red-white. So they're artifacts that all cost two. You tap for one. And then what it did is it essentially um, allowed you to get two colored mana, one of each of the two colors of the guild. Um, these were uncommon, I believe. Um, as, as you can see, sort of... Uh, I think our rare, which I'll get to, were good. The, the, that mana fixing was good. and uh, Iconically good. Um, but the common and the uncommon mana fixing were, eh, not particularly strong and really made it hard. Uh, didn't allow people to um, play the cards as easy as they needed to. Okay, next. Brain Spoil. Three black black sorcery. Destroy target creature that isn't enchanted uh, and it can't be regenerated. It then had Transmute for one black black. Uh, so real quick, let's talk about Transmute. Transmute was the Demir ability. So with Transmute, uh, we decided that blue and black were, li the library was where they connected, like just like uh, the graveyards where Golgari connected. And so we made the mechanic uh, a tutoring mechanic, something we don't really do anymore because we find tutoring to be, it makes gameplay play out a little too similarly. Um, but anyway, the way Transmute works is all the Transmute cards have a Transmute ability that costs three mana, uh, if it's a monocolored card, it costs one and then two colored mana. So in this case, black, one black, black. If it was a gold card, it would cost one blue, black. So it always costs one generic and two colored, either two of the same if it's monocolored or one of each if it's two color. And then you were allowed to take this card and I think you discarded it and then you replaced it from a, with a card from your library that it had the same converted mana cost. So for example, this card costs five, three black, black. So it had a converted mana cost of five. So you could turn this into any card in your deck that had a converted mana cost of five. Um, and what we did was we made it something that was at times conditional. So what this card was, it was a kill spell. Now notice it had a rider on it. The rider was it doesn't kill enchanted things. So one of the things going on is, and I think this was the common, uh, common's main black kill spell, was, hey, in limited especially, being enchanted has some bonuses. One of the bonuses is, hey, one of black's main kill spells doesn't work against you that one of the ways to protect yourself against black was to actually put an aura on yourself, which is not something you normally do if you're worried about black destroying your creature. But in this case, it actually helped you. Um, and then we put Transmute on it because sometimes maybe, you know, it, it does. I have a problem card, my opponent's enchanted it, I can't kill it with this, maybe I can go get something different to deal with it. Okay, next, Bramble Elemental. Three green green, so five mana, two which is green. Uh, it's an elemental. Um, and when... Uh, Whenever a, oh, I didn't write its stats down. I think it's a 4-4. Four, four. Um, whenever an aura is attached to it, it makes two 1-1 one, one saprolings. So one of the things you'll see in the set is there's a bunch of cards that just encourage you to enchant things. Um, so when I say it had an enchantment theme, I, I guess what I meant was it had an aura theme. Uh, so it cared about, I mean, uh, it cared about auras, and some of the ways it cared about auras is caring about enchantments. So there are some cards that care about enchantments, but there's a lot more that cares about auras and about things being enchanted. 
Um, so this creature, for example, if you enchanted it, as just a free bonus, you got two 1-1 creatures, two 1-1 saplings. So the main creature token in green are 1-1 green sapling tokens. Um, as you will see, they're a pretty major part of what's going on in mono green. Um, one of the things we try to do is give themes to the mono colors that were usable by both its guilds. Um, uh, blue and red actually um, only had one guild in the set, although we did allow do some stuff so you could, you could drop blue and red together. Um, but green, white, and black, green overlapped in Celestia and Golgari, white overlapped in Boros and Celestia, and um, black overlapped in Demir and, Selesnia, and Golgari. Um, this case is a mono green card. Okay, it overlaps in green overlaps in both Selesnia and Golgari. So one of the things we did is gave green a lot of mono green a lot of token making because Selesnia wants to build up its numbers and um, Golgari likes to sacrifice things. So different the different guilds would use them differently, but they were useful in both guilds. Okay, next Carrion Howler, three black, three and a black, so four mana, one of which is black. It's a creature. It's a zombie wolf, a two-two zombie wolf. Um, you could pay one life to give it plus two, minus one until end of turn. Um, so the idea was it was a two-two creature, um, and you could give it plus two, minus one. So since it's two-two, without any sort of enhancements, you could make it into a four-one creature if you paid one life. Um, but if you somehow enhance it, and like I said, there's an aura theme going through the set, if you make it a little tougher, then you could activate it more than once. So if you could boost up its toughness, you could act- activate this multiple times. Okay, Centaur Safeguard. So two green or a hybrid, two and a hybrid, green or white. So two generic mana plus one green or white mana. It's a 3-1 Centaur Warrior. Um, and then when it dies, you gain three life. Um, die, it didn't say dies all the way by the time. That's now uh, modern terminology. Back then it would say if it put put into the graveyard, I think from play is how we used to say it. Um, and the idea is both green and white are the life-gaining colors, and so and they both also are creature-based. So it's like, oh, I play a you know, somewhat decent creature, so a three-mana three-one, uh, that when it dies, I gain life. Um, and this was the common white-green hybrid card. Char. So Char costs two and a red. It's an instant. You deal four damage to target creature or player and deal two to you. So old-timers recognize this card as Psionic Blast. In Alpha, this was a blue card, believe it or not, um, representing psionics. Uh, Richard messed around a little bit with, like, oh, you know, blue's the color of the mind, so psionics should be blue. And so he made a top-down psionic blast card, meaning you're using you know, psionic uh, you know, mental powers to cause damage to your opponent. But the idea is using it hurts you. So um, we decided to put it in the color that it really belonged in, which was red. And so psionic blast became char. Okay, Court of Calling. X green, 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 so three green mana. Uh, it's an instant. Uh, it has Convoke, and that you can uh, go through your library, get a creature card with a converted mana cost of X or less, uh, and put it in your hand, I believe. In your hand? I think I put it in your hand. Uh, and then you could shuffle. Um, or is Court of Calling in play? XGGG. I'm guessing it is into play? I didn't write that down. I'm, I'm guessing it's into play. I'm guessing it's, it goes into play. Um, so the idea is that I can go get a creature. Um, I have to pay X for the convert mana cost and then an additional three green mana. Oh, but it has Convoke. So it allows me to go get the creature out of my deck. 
and the more creatures I have in play, the more mana I can spend. So one of the neat things about this is, traditionally your X spell is capped by your mana, but with this spell, it's capped not by your mana, but by your mana plus your creatures. And so this allows you to go get a decently big creature if you have a lot of creatures in play. Um, chorus of the uh, Conclave. Four green, green, white, white. It's a legendary creature dryad, 3-8, forest walk. Uh, you can pay one extra. F- oh, for every creature, you're allowed to pay one more for it. And if you do, it comes in with a plus one, plus one counter. So all creatures have an optional, they cost one more. And if you do that, then you get a plus one, plus one counter on your creature. Um, this was the leader of Selesnia. And so one of the things we liked about it was um, Selesnia is about overrunning you. So this makes your creatures bigger. It allows you to spend extra mana to make your creatures bigger. Um, the idea, by the way, of the Selesnia is they, they're the one group where their leaders are normally one, more than one person because they're a collective, that even their leaders aren't singular people, that they're multiple people. And so the, the conclave, the course of the conclave was not, not a singular leader. They have a bunch of people that represent their leader um, and that's just trying to make things feel a little different. Also, as Forest Walk, an ability uh, we phase land walk out, but this is Forest Walk, if I just have a little extra flavor. Um, but anyway, that is our, uh, that is, we finally meet the Selesnia, um, the leader of Selesnia. Anyway, I've just pulled up to Rachel's school, so uh, that is going to be the end for today. Um, anyway, this is going to go on, this series is going to go on for a little while, because I have a lot of cards to talk about. And I only got to page three, and I know I have lots of pages. So anyway, I hope you guys stick with it. Uh, a lot of more fun things to talk about Ravnica. But as I'm now here at the school, we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to make magic. So I'll see you next time with more Ravnica. Bye-bye, guys.